This week we are closing out our series, All We Need Is Love. We're finishing out. It's still February. Can you guys believe we're almost in March? Crazy, right? But I have paid the big bucks to get the best, one of the best speakers I know, because he's my, he's my best now. My dad taught me, when you, when you get married, Wes is your number one, so I'll let you be a close second, okay? But this is my dad. Can you guys welcome my dad today? He's been here before, but we actually have never got to speak together before. So this is a first, and I am super honored and excited to, to speak with him today. We have been in our series, All We Need is Love, week one. Our wonderful, wonderful pastor talked to us about that we will never know how to love others if we don't know how God loves us. And we looked at Mark 12, 31 that says to love your neighbor as yourself. But again, you won't be able to love your neighbor as yourself if you don't understand how much God loves you. And so that was week one. And then last week, my husband and I got to come up here and talk about love and marriage. And we didn't leave the single people out. We hope that you all took a piece of that. Well, one of the things we started off with was saying was singleness is not a death sentence. And so if you're single in the room, it says, the Bible says that this is your season to draw even closer and to spend more one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus. And then we went over seven keys to a successful marriage. If you missed it last week, um, you can go check out our podcast or check out our, our Facebook or YouTube. Uh, you can find it somewhere. But I know you don't want me to go all, over all seven again. But go check that out if you missed that out. And really it all boils down to that our marriage should be a picture of how Christ loved the church. And so husbands and wives should love each other and honor and respect each other how, how God loves the church. And today we're talking about love and parenting. And I thought one of the best parents I've ever had in my life, one of two, well, right? really the only parents. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we're talking about parenting. I'm one of four kids. I'm the favorite. Don't tell the other three, okay? I'm number two in line. He, get, he calls me princess. I'm his princess, yes, right? that's right. Yes. And so um, my, I, this is my pastor. I grew up born out of the womb into church. My dad's been my pastor my whole life. And so I'm super honored to get to speak on parenting with you today. Happy to be here with you. Thank you, Wes, for giving me this opportunity. <clears throat> and Diana, thank you for uh, lining it up for us to do this together. I look forward to hearing what you have to say. I'm an expert parent, right? Yeah, so we'll no, have a good time together. <laughs> How many of you have parents? <clears throat> okay. How many of you are parents? Well, so that's everybody in here fits in one of those groups, right? So this is a message for all of us today. How many of you who are parents find that parenting can be difficult? Raise your hand. That's every parent, right? <laughs> Mark Twain said, um, when you're raising your kids and your kid turns 13, put them, a, put them in a barrel with a hole in the top and feed them through a straw. He said, when they're 16, put a cork in the hole. So, you know, I don't think it really goes like that. Um, Donna and I have had the privilege to raise four kids. And it's been the highlight of our life. <clears throat> Diana's been a wonderful daughter, and Danil has, and then Dustin and Derek. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about all of you guys today as we talk through this a little bit. And uh, when Wes talked, put my hand up here. Makes it all noisy. Is this better? Great. See? <laughs> I don't even know how to turn these on <laughs> or off. Um, when we talk about parenting, I think there's a few things that would really be important today. Um, parenting should be your third most important relationship. Um, 
your first most important relationship should be your God relationship. And if, if, you get, if you get it turned around and you make parenting more important than God, then you're not going to do well at parenting. God should be your most important relationship, and I believe that marriage should be your second most important relationship. There will be a day your kids will be gone and you'll still be married. And if you have left your marriage during your parenting, you will have a tough time with your marriage after your kids have left. Marriage is very important. Also, the reason I believe marriage is the second most important relationship is because that's where you model for your kids what they're going to be one day. And so you got to hold that together. But parenting is right there in the big three. And it's a, it's a wonderful, important thing. Um, I believe as parents, we have to live out what we want to transfer into our kids. So ask yourself just personally real quick. Are you living out in front of your kids right now what you want to transfer into them? Are you living out right now what you're going to be happy about them becoming? Because they're going to live out much of what you have lived into their lives. So let's look at scripture, Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy in chapter 5 is where God shares the Ten Commandments, pivotal time in the history of man, when he says these are the Ten Commandments. Um, and then in Deuteronomy 6, he talks about parenting. And if you look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 and 2, he said, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Moses is telling the children of Israel this. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. You see what he says there? I'm teaching it to you. And it's going to be good for you, for your kids, and for your grandkids. And you're having another grandkid. I got permission to announce to you today that Derek and Giselle have just found out they're going to have a little boy. Yay. Yeah, so. So I'm going to be an aunt again. Yeah, so that'll make 12 grandkids for us. 12. Six boys and six girls. And uh, Giselle said that's a perfect dozen. I said, <laughs> I don't know. Baker's dozen. It's 13. So, uh. But uh, I'm, I'm excited about, the, what do you guys think? Maybe one more? No, not from us. <laughs> we will pray hard for the other three to have another one, but, and we will babysit. <laughs> well, the God of my dad, my dad was a pastor all my life. And uh, God was real to us. Uh, our nights ended. My mom and dad had a double bed back before there were king-size beds. And I remember at night, me and my brother and mom and dad would kneel around that bed. And I remember as a kid trying to stretch to hold hands, and that was the fun thing. But we had prayer and we had devotions together. And uh, God was real in our home. I watched my dad pastor, and, and I said, I want to be close to God like that. And it ended up my life as, a, as an adult has been pastoring. And uh, we had four kids. And Dustin pastors the church where I pastored, and Diana and Wes are pastors here, and Danielle and Justin are pastors at Hope Church, and Derek, well, Derek's the black sheep of the family. No, I'm just kidding. That is not true. Derek is in ministry. While Derek has business, he makes business ministry, and, and we have ministry with the people who work there. And I want to just say to you, it's a wonderful thing to 
to see God do those things. And there were really two things, Diana, today that I wanted to say. Here are the two things that I believe the scripture's telling us. The first thing is, as parents, we have to love. We have to love God. He says in verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You remember the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment that Jesus says to the disciples over in the New Testament is this verse. That this is the greatest commandment, that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And um, I, I've learned that the things that I have loved in my life, you guys have loved in your life. Do you make waffles? We do. The best waffle homemade recipe. If you want it, hit me up after church. Yeah. Maybe I'll post it today. And I've learned that you can't just throw the eggs in. you got to beat the eggs separate. Got to. It'll make the batter fluffier. That's right. Yeah, sometimes and I do And we are do dolphin fans. Yes. Yeah, and I, I make I don't know why I am, but I buy dolphin shirts yeah. because am, am that's all I knew to ever like. Sorry, Pittsburgh, and but dolphins yeah. is where it's at. That's you know right. What I'm saying? That's right. <laughs> We're going to go to the Super Bowl this year. I feel good yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 yeah I Way to no go, clue. Tampa Bay, though. <laughs> you guys are good, man. The Bucks. Um where were we? Yeah. The things, well, that, the things that you love. The things that we've yeah. loved, you know. And it, I would say, like, you were talking about that you grew up with the importance of church in your life. And so, really, I never had an option when I was younger to go to church. But it was never something that my parents had to drag me to. They made it something that was fun. They made it something I could be a part of. Um, and I remember when I went away to college, when my dad kind of forced me to go to Missouri, which allowed me to meet my husband, but I was not very happy at first that he made me go. But he, he, I remember, I remember saying, why am, why are you making me, but you're not making everybody else? And he's like, you guys are all different. And I didn't understand it then, but boy, do I understand how different your kids can be, right? I have four and they're all so different. But I remember going to college that first year and being told I had to go find a church on my own. And of course, finding a church was, was what I was going to do, but I'd always just gone to your church and served there and so being able to go out and look look for things that I valued and things that I wanted to serve in was was kind of a, a new freedom for me even as a freshman in college but um, the the importance of finding church the importance of serving in church I, that's something that I've tried to impart to my kids and trip serving in the nursery right now hope's going to be serving in second service they come and set up and yes every once in a while they need a break because we serve a lot um, last week, Hope skipped set up, and I and I had to. Where, I had I skipped also because I was at a shower, wedding shower. Yes, and Hope said, "How'd it feel to skip set up?" And I'm like, "Kind of good, you know what I'm saying?" <laughs> Every once in a while, they need a break, but they don't mind serving. And I learned serving and wanting to go to church. And my dad said, "Just make it fun for your kids. Just make sure you tell them you appreciate them." And so it was never a chore for me to go, um, and that's because you guys made it that way for us. Well. It's because God was real, right? and it was all real. He says in the Bible, love the Lord with all your heart. Let's talk about that a minute. Loving with all your heart means loving on purpose. Yeah. The heart is where decisions are made. Remember it said in the Bible, and Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not sin against God. That was a decision he made. And, and I want you to think of heart choices as decisions. It's where I decide what I'm going to do. See, you should decide... I'm going to love the Lord. It, it comes with a decision. But then the second part of it, he says, is with all your soul. And the soul is the seat of your emotion. If all we did was purposed or decided to love God, it would become a dull life. But we love God emotionally. Can you say yes, yes. to that? 
We love God emotionally. We, we get excited about loving God and following God. And, and uh, I think in the Bible of Mary, who broke open an alabaster box, the Bible said, full of ointment and, and anointed Jesus, it would have been an embarrassing moment in front of all the disciples for her to do that. But she didn't care because she was so passionately in love with the Lord. And, and I, I believe that a part of our kids wanting to follow God is it's not just something they decided, but they love the Lord. They lo love him passionately. Uh, it's the difference between the athlete who's on the team and the athlete who leads the team. And uh, yesterday I went and watched, uh, what, what grade is Jeremy in, first or second grade? First grade. I went and watched the first grade basketball championship, which has Intense, very little I'm similarity sure. to basketball. Uh, but of all of the kids on the floor, there was one kid, and he was intense. And, and it all boiled down to get him the ball because he was going to, they don't dribble, but they just run with the ball and then get down there and push everybody out of the way and shoot it. But uh, um, nonetheless, it's, it's the difference. You see that in athletics, don't you? How about teachers? You remember the teacher you had that just got through class, but then you had the teacher that made class incredible? What was the difference? Passion. It was the passion of that teacher to do that. And um, I, I think of passion in our life. I asked Diane if I could get her to sing a little chorus here. Um, I miss choirs. Back when I pastored, choirs used to be a cool thing. And uh, there was a song the choir used to sing called, I Am Not Ashamed of the Gospel. I want to ask you something. Are you ever ashamed of the gospel? The person who is never ashamed of the gospel is someone who is passionate about Christ. They're not afraid to mention that they know him. They're not afraid to stand for him. And I love this little course. I want you to just, just sing the course of it, not all the verses and all everything. Right. But I wanted to sing, and I want you to just think about being passionate. So it goes like this. It goes, I've got too much behind me to let this world bind me. To some, he's a name, but to me, he's my everything. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I've got too much behind me. I've got too much behind me to let the world blind me. To some, he's a name, but to me, man, he's my everything. That's how you love the Lord with all your soul. And then he says, love him with all your strength. And I believe that just means with all that you have and as purely as you can, you love him. And so I want to say to you today, to be a good parent, love God. If I couldn't say anything else to you today, I'd say if you just love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your power, you will be a better parent. We want to talk about one other thing he says in here, and that is we will lead our families. Not only love our families, but lead our families. Moms and dads, I want to say to you, you're not designed for your, parent, your children to parent the family. You're supposed to be parenting the family. Amen. Duke of Windsor said, the thing that impresses me the most about America is the way parents obey their children. Would you say that happens a lot, that you see parents that all they do is do whatever their kids want? Well, here's what the Bible says in that same Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 through 9. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, 
when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. He's simply saying that we should repeat it again and again and again to our kids. Yeah, I would say that when, when I hear that, I think of the word consistent. And I think if you and mom were consistent, there wasn't, they didn't decide something one week and then the next month I could, I could do it. You know, like they, they were consistent and they didn't just, um, they never just told me why, what to do. They told me why we were going to do that or why, most of the time, why I was not going to do that. <laughs> um, but consistency, I think, is key. And I think leading in, in today's age is, is different. I got a cell phone when I was 16, I think, and it was like this big and it had an antenna and I lost it at Disney World like on the first week because it was way too big to put in your pocket. But, um, but like leading today as parents with the technology that we have is, is a whole different ball game. And so that's been something I've had to explore and, and seek wisdom on. And um, I would say back to, back to us obeying our kids, I think oftentimes I even, I have my oldest is 13. We have a 13-year-old, 10, and then we have 6-year-old twins. And so I'm loving the 13-year-old stage said no one ever, right? Um, I, I love my daughter with all my heart, and um, this, this leading and trying to explain to her why we're not going to do what all the other kids in her class do is not the easiest thing in the world, and there's some days I'm like, oh, it would just be easier to say yes, but then I have to remember that I am the parent, and that I am the boss, and that God gave me the authority over her, and if she's listening somewhere, I'm sorry, Hope, we can talk about it later, <laughs> um, but leading in this age of technology is so different, and so we've got to not be scared to, to not do what everybody else is doing, and, and we have to know that if we're chasing after God, that we've got to help our kids chase after God, and some of that is denying ourselves some things. Yeah, and some of what you're having right now is payback. Not me. Yeah. Danil, right? <laughs> I remember, I'm not going to tell you, you guys what it was about, but I remember sitting in the bedroom, Diana's bedroom one day, through a lot of tears with her wanting to do something that I wouldn't let her do. And she said, you know, you got to explain to me why. And I explained to her the best I could. She goes, that's not good enough. And I said, well, then here, let me give you this. I'm the dad. Yeah. And you're not going to do that. And at the end of the day, there may be sometimes you can't explain everything. But you're the dad. Yeah. You're the mom. And you do know inherently that it's the best thing. And so you follow through it. You have to lead your kids. Yes. Come on, yes? Yeah. You got to lead your kids. Your, your kids shouldn't be able to manipulate into everything. If, if they do that, they're going to be poor adults one day. If they don't understand authority as children, yeah. how will they ever understand authority as adults? There's always going to be authority. And I've learned this about children and raising kids and grandkids and your kids. That when kids understand boundaries, they enjoy a freedom because they know where they can operate and everything's going to be safe. When you change the boundary every day, you put it there one day, take it down one day, you cause your kids an anxiety because they can't figure out where they can operate. you got to lead them. you got to put it in place and have it there for them and, and, and do those things. Lead your family. Lead them in these ways. And... Uh, we tried to do that. We tried to have consistent things. Talking about consistent things, I would just say a few things to you. How many of you have the ability to be together as a family for a few minutes in the morning before everybody goes their separate ways? If you have that ability, raise your hands. Okay, not, not a lot of you. 
How many of you have the ability to be together as a family in the evening, maybe before bed or at dinner? Okay, more of you do. You need to find the time, and you need to make a time. You say, if you dads or moms say, well, I can't because I, I work later, I do this or that. Find a way to be together as a family. Yes. We had morning before we went, yes. before we left. We were half awake, but I remember all of them. Just kidding. <laughs> no, my dad was often the one who would get us all out of bed, and we would just roll to the kitchen table in our pajamas and a lot of times you had breakfast you, he knew what each of our orders were so he would make cinnamon toast for some of us cereal all the different things and we'd sit around the table and we had a devotion book that we read about a two-minute devotion every morning and every year we got tons of Christmas cards and so we just put them in a basket and every day we would pull out one or two cards and we would pray for whoever's family we pulled out that day and um, that was just a tradition and a memory that I that I loved and where we we're quite, a, our age ranges, I guess there's five or six years from the oldest to the youngest. So even when Derek may have been four or five, he still sat around the table and it became a thing. And, and as my brother went to college, they didn't say, oh, Dustin's gone. We don't have to do this anymore. We kept doing it. And I'm, I don't know if you did it. I'm sure you did it after I left. And even when Derek was there by himself, I remember him saying, we, we got to do devotions this morning. But they, that was a consistent thing that they did for, for all those years of our life. Um, and and something that, I'll be honest with you, it's something that we struggle with and because mornings are fast and fast and furious, yes. And so night times has often been where we'll turn off the TV for a few minutes. or And, and your kids are going to be like, oh, man, yeah. But again, remember that you're the authority, and when you're consistent in it, they'll start to appreciate that time together. When you're talking about boundaries, I had a friend in college who told me, um, she goes, my parents never gave me boundaries like I could do whatever I wanted anytime they didn't really even check to see if I came home or she goes and I never really thought about it till now like that that kind of makes me feel like they didn't love me like they weren't even checking if I was home and so I think some of us think we're trying to be the cool parent or we're trying to make our kids happy um, but later down the road they may turn and think why didn't she tell me not to do this why didn't they why didn't they tell me I had to be home at a certain time and so um so do, do set boundaries. Your kids will appreciate it. Yeah. Um, how many of you have daughters? Raise your hand. So one of the things that I wanted to do with Diana and Danil was I took them on dates. And um, that was a very important part of our life, that we had set times that we went on dates. And I taught them embarrassingly about how they should be with a boy when they went out. I remember even telling them how when he wanted to hold her hand, you know, how he had to be and do you want to teach him how? Yeah. Yeah. You, when you, if you're going to hold a boy's hand, I don't yeah. suggest doing it till way later. But you're supposed to hold it like this. You don't put your arm. You don't let him put his arm under your arm, yeah, okay? Yeah, don't let him get his so, arm over there. Yeah. I tell him that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I did those things with them. And we would laugh about it and have fun with it. But what was I doing? I was trying to lead them and let them know that until you get married, I have your heart. Yes. And one day, I'll give your heart to him. But let's be careful with that. And I want to just say, parents, be involved. Don't just toss up a coin and hope everything works out all right. Be involved in those processes. I tried to be Dustin and Derek's best friend. I think they would say today that we're best friends. And, and hence, we could share anything and everything together, and, and we're still able to do that. <clears throat> I wanted to say a couple other things here in this leading thing. Um, be honest with your kids, but being honest with your kids doesn't mean you need to tell your kids everything. Yes. 
There should be some things that husbands and wives know that you don't necessarily share with the whole family. Transparency about everything is not necessary. But be honest with whatever you do share with your kids. And as far as leading them, don't set down any boundaries that you're not going to enforce. If you're not going to enforce it, then you lose your authority. And if you're not going to make them do it, then don't tell them they have to do it. But whatever you say they have to do, make sure that's followed. Does that make sense? I would say also there, I think of the, the saying that says, do as I say, not as I do. And I think when you do that as parents, that's sending such a mixed signal to your kids. And so if you're going to ask them to do it, then, then model that in front of them and, and, and the, your actions and your words. Yeah. Um, in the book of Proverbs, there's a verse that probably most of you have heard as believers that says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets older, he won't depart from that. That word train is a word in the Hebrew called hanuk, and it literally means the palate of the mouth. And it's an old way they taught back in that day is they would rub into the palate of the mouth of a baby whatever it was they wanted them to learn to eat and desire. And if you would think of training your child, you want to rub into their life the things you want them to love, the things you want them to be. And so you train them up in that way. You pour into their life things that you would want them to be. So, Diana, I watched you grow up. I watched you love youth department. I watched you sing in the youth department. I, I watched you love the Lord. I would watch you over worshiping, thinking, wow, I love seeing that. And, and Donna had a lot to do with that. Donna's our musical person in between me and her. And, and then you went away to Bible college. You have kids. I come in here over the years and I watch Hope raising her hands, praising the Lord. You know what's happened? Somebody has rubbed into the palate of her life the right things to love, the right things to be. And so here's just a few things real quick because I know we only have a few Yes, minutes, get right? your phones out, write these down. Here's a few things that Proverbs tells us to train into our kids' lives. Number one, train them to have character. Make sure you had your kids have character. <clears throat> character is about honesty and integrity, right? If you have character, it's not just honesty and integrity. I told our kids, um, if you get in trouble, you get in trouble. But if you get in trouble for lying, you get in really big trouble for that. Tell me the truth and take what it, what it is. But if I catch you lying, your, your little butt's going to be in big trouble. <laughs> and uh, I want to just say, train your kids. Get, a, get them character. Teach them what loyalty means. Family loyalty is a big thing. Teach them honesty, integrity, and those things. Number two is to train them to be generous. Um, if, they're, if you can train them to be generous, they'll be generous with, with God. They'll be generous with others. And generosity is something that has been modeled so well in my home. And, and, it is, and then I married a husband who is completely generous. And so we try to be generous. There's days where if my kids don't want to share something or they, they don't want to give something away, it almost disgusts me. I'm like, no, guys, we are generous. Like, it's one of our core values at Hope. It's one of our core values as a family. Like, we are going to be generous. So train your kids to be generous. I took their kids out to eat to CPK the other night, and as soon as Selah got her macaroni and cheese, she goes, here, Pop, you want some of this? I, uh, they ordered the little kids' Sundays at the end of the meal, and Trip let me have all the whipped cream and, uh, ch and chocolate chips off his, and uh, they are generous kids, and I, I thank the Lord for that. Here, here's the third thing. Train your children to be selective in their friendships. 
this will be probably the single biggest greatness or mistake in your kids' lives is who their friends are. You see, we were very careful about that. We didn't just allow anybody in our kids' lives. And if we felt like they were being involved with kids that were going to be trying to encourage them away from everything we wanted, we took them away from those friendships. You say, you would do that? Absolutely. They're too valuable. Why, why would I let some other kid and some other kid's family take my kids where I don't believe it's safe for them to go? Yeah. Be careful about that. You say, well, my kids are in school. I'm not there every day. Find out who their friends are. Yeah. Find out who they are. I would take my kid out of a school if I couldn't get him away from those friends. I just want to encourage you, make sure and be selective in friendships. Yeah, an old saying from that I heard in youth group growing up was, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And so I think there's so much truth to that. Number four is to train them to watch what they say. Um, train them to watch what you say. We often use this illustration in, in kids' ministry, but it's like when you say something, you're squeezing toothpaste out of a, out of a toothpaste tube. And you can, Have you ever tried putting toothpaste back in the toothpaste tube? Like once it's out there, it's out there. So train your kids to watch what they say. No gossiping, no mean words. And obviously no kid is perfect, and I've, I've had to learn some of that the hard way, and you've taught me through some of that, and it's been hard, hard. But train, if you, if you speak kind your kids are naturally going to speak kind. But if you're talking about everybody else around you, then chances are your kids are going to be doing that too. So train them to, to watch what they say. Train them to be responsible. Catch this phrase. We have the power of choice, but we must live with the consequence of that selection. Yeah. Everybody in here can make their choices, but then you got to live with it. So teach them to be responsible. Teach them in their decision-making that they're responsible for their lives and actions. I've told all of our kids growing up, and I'm going to tell all of our grandkids growing up, five minutes of bad decisions can change your life forever. Be responsible. Yeah, number six is train them to guard their minds. As adults, we know the power of the mind, and our kids are beginning to learn that. But in Romans, it says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so those devotions every morning would renew my mind to remember who I was. Who My, my mom would always say, remember your last name. That was something my parents would always say. But to remember who I was, not that I was just a Janny, but that I was a child of God. And so those devotions, being in God's word, helps them to renew their mind. And Philippians 4, 8 says, think on what is honorable, true, just, pure, lovely. And so um, train your kids to guard their minds. Watch the things that they're looking at every day on their phones. That's going into their minds. So you got to know what they're looking at. You got to know what they're listening to. There was an incident last weekend. My husband said, maybe we need to see what she's listening to, see what he's listening to, because the attitude was different. And so um, train them to guard their minds. And the last one is train them to love and respect God. So we've been talking about loving and respecting God. And I want to encourage you that uh, this is what this is about. I'll tell you a little story before we close today. Uh, there was a, a husband and wife. Their last name was the Joneses. Probably wasn't that, but I'm protecting their identity. They lived out in uh, Dallas, Texas. They went to the Miller Road Baptist Church. And they prayed and prayed and prayed for a kid. And finally, they got a little boy. And that little boy became the apple of their eye. And, of course, they stayed out of church for a few months because they just had the baby. And then as the baby grew, they became less involved. She taught a Bible study. 
he taught a Bible study. They gave up the Bible studies because they were just too busy with the little boy. And back then, you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Anybody ever grow up in that Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night visitation? I mean, we did all of that. And um, before long, they quit coming to Wednesday night because they were just busy during the week. And then they quit coming on Sunday night. And before long, as their little child grew up, they quit church. And it was just a few years later, the husband found out that his wife was having an affair down at parking lot on a part of town and he went down there and with a shotgun took his wife's life and the man's life and he spends the rest of his life in prison and he writes a letter back to the pastor of the church saying I'm paying for this for the rest of my life and if I could say anything to anybody just tell them this don't miss the first Wednesday night and what he was simply saying was this don't start getting away from God. If you're going to love God with all your heart and with all your might, then then stay in church. Keep your kids in church. There'll be times when you want to get out, but don't get out. I, I watched the result of this. Here's the result of it, Pastor Wes. These young people are going to grow up in here, and they're going to be this church in a few years. Um, my son pastors Orlando Baptist Church now, Corey, who grew up in the church as the executive pastor, uh, Matt Adams is one of the deacons, and I could look at, I see Dustin Schneider in here who grew up in the church with us, and you got Val and Stephen, and you got, I saw Christine over here, and, and Jay will be here. All, all of these kids that grew up because church was important in church life, and that peer group was important, now they're adults in church. Love the Lord, lead your family. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and I'm going to just ask you, Dad, if you'll just pray over our parents and our families, and then we're going to sing this chorus of, of reckless love, and I think, I, I think of Gabe often when I hear this song, because you used to explain that that was my mom, that there was no mountain she wouldn't climb up, no, no door she wouldn't kick down, and so the love of the Father of Jesus is what we should model as parents, that there's no, nothing we wouldn't do for our kids, and the first thing we should do is to, is to just have this reckless love for God, so if you'd pray over us, and then we'll worship together. I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. I want to ask one question. How many of you, by lifting your hands today, would say, pray for me and my parenting right now. I want God to help me. I need God's help in this. Pray for me when you pray today. Would you lift your hands? So many, so many. Let's pray and commit this to the Lord today. Father God, we come to you today and we simply say this. We love you. We want to love you more. Help us to help our kids to see the love of God and our love for you. Lord, help us to love well. And Lord, help these moms and these dads to lead well. Some are single parents raising their family. Oh God, give them extra anointing. Help us to lead our families. Keep them in church. Keep our lives close to you. Bless them. Protect them. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Sing this together. And all the overall.